Please note, in today's episode, we will be talking about the details of a murder which took place in Lancaster in the 1930s, as well as themes of domestic abuse. Some listeners may find some aspects of this episode upsetting. There are some objects within the museum collections that sit brooding in their boxes, heavy with dark stories. In 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums, we're delving into the collections to discover objects that can tell us stories about the past and make us think about the present and future. I'm Rachel Roberts, Collections Registrar at Lancaster City Museums. The object we are looking at today relates to one of the darkest and most well-known stories originating from Lancaster. Although it is only small and may not seem to be connected with such a shocking story, it can tell us more about the circumstances of one of this area's most studied crimes. Today's object is the diary of Dr Buck Ruxton. The diary is small. It's designed to be a pocket diary and so is only 12.5 by 9 centimetres. It has a green cover with a gold scrolled design around the words Collins Hand Diary number 161 and inside there is a page for each day of the year. It is for the year of 1934, the year before the murder of Isabella Ruxton and their maid Mary Rogerson. At the top of each page the date is printed in black block capitals and the pages are lined. Not every day has been filled in, in fact there are no entries before March. After that, pages are filled in, seemingly at random, with notes about the events of the day. We spoke to Mel Cookson Carter, museum manager at Lancaster Maritime Museum, and someone who has read and transcribed the diary, to tell us more about it. She started by telling us about the diary and what she finds so interesting about it. It's a small green day-to-a-page pocket-sized diary. It's quite unremarkable, really. There are no entries in the diary until the 27th of March, when it's recorded that it's the owner's birthday. So you wonder, perhaps, if it was a gift for someone. The diary actually belonged to Dr Buck Ruxton, Lancaster's most infamous murderer. We discovered the diary in our collection, and it hadn't been transcribed before. I'm not sure why it wasn't possibly used as evidence within the trial. There are some really stunning details in the diary that throw up more questions than they do answers. The entries are very sporadic. They're written in a, in a difficult-to-read cursive handwriting, which at times just appears to be very hastily written. Often uh, there's no regard for the lines on the page. And what I find really interesting about it is that everywhere Buck Ruxton's reported birthday is the 21st of March, yet in the diary, it actually he says that it's the 27th. There is also a summary of events at the back of the diary, written as though... Buck Ruxton's trying to get things straight in his own head. Many people from Lancaster and Morecambe will have heard of the murder committed by Buck Ruxton in the 1930s. But although it caused a media sensation at the time, the case is not well known outside the area now. We asked Mel to tell us a little bit more about Ruxton. Buck Ruxton, his, his birth name, and I will apologise if I don't uh, pronounce this correctly, was Buktiar Rustomji Ratanji Hakim. He was a doctor of Parsi descent who was born in Bombay. He was the descendant of Persian migrants into India. He worked his way across to the UK from India as a ship's doctor and initially he settled in Edinburgh 
And while he was there, he was studying to become a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons, for which he failed the exams. Ruxton, while he was in Edinburgh, became friends and more with a 26-year-old woman named Isabella Van S or Isabella Kerr. Isabella managed a cafe in the city. They obviously fell in love, and in 1930, the couple moved to Ruxton's new surgery at 2 Dalton Square, Lancaster. And there they established a really comfortable and lavishly furnished home and had three children, two girls and a boy. We have to remember that Buck Ruxton had come from India where he had experienced the extremes of the social class system. He was all too aware of how hard it was for poor people to access medical care, good medical care. There were many, many people in Lancaster at the time working in factories and mills with very little income. And Ruxton would soon develop a reputation for being kind and caring. He would often waive fees for those who were struggling to pay their medical bills. Because remember, this was before the NHS was established. Next, we discussed the details of the case and why it's so important in British legal history. Well, the gruesome details of the case are very widely available online, um, where you can find out more about the murders of Isabella and Mary. So out of respect for the families involved, I won't be including some of those details here. But the story is on the evening of the 14th of September 1935, uh, the year after the diary was kept, Isabella went to see Blackpool Illuminations and visit two of her sisters who both lived near to Blackpool. She left Blackpool in the late evening, around 11.30, getting home in the early hours of the Sunday morning. We've already touched on Ruxton's jealousy and paranoia and how that could overwhelm him. It's believed that he probably sat up all evening. When Isabella got home, they must have got into an altercation and Buck Ruxton strangled her with his bare hands. Poor Mary, who must have have looked out onto the landing, and obviously she witnessed something incriminating, so Buck Ruxton uh, killed Mary also. He dismembered their bodies and disposed of them in Scotland, but what he failed to do was realise that he'd wrapped them in a special edition of a local newspaper which was only printed in Lancaster and only on a specific date. That could lead straight back to him. He'd also neglected to consider the development of really sophisticated forensic practices. And this was the first case in the country that used forensic evidence to identify victims. Buck was found guilty and he was hanged in Strangeways Prison on the 12th of May 1936. He was only aged 37. His hangman was Albert Pierpoint, who was actually Britain's most prolific hangman. Throughout the whole trial, Ruxton denied the charges He would fall into fits of hysteria in the stand and he later sent a written confession to a Sunday newspaper which was published the day after he died. Because our object today is the diary written by Buck Ruxton, that means that his voice will be heard through it. However, it is important to remember that this crime also involved two real people who lost their lives, Isabella Ruxton and Mary Rogerson. People who through this diary we only get to see in a way which was controlled by the author, Buck Ruxton. Isabella wasn't actually his wife, they didn't marry, they were in a common law relationship and obviously had the children together, which was really quite unusual for the 30s. 
But it seems to have been a relationship that was accepted in Lancaster. He called her Belle or Bella and Isabella called him Bonnie. They appear to have been very different people. Book was quiet, intelligent, brooding. Belle was very vivacious and social. They did share a common love for gambling, specifically on the horses, and Belle had always wanted to own her own Murphy's betting shop. And Ruxton was happy to rent an office for her in Blackburn while she negotiated with Murphy's. Unfortunately, she wasn't successful and she never managed to open her own betting shop. It's clear throughout the diary that their relationship was up and down. We know that loud quarrels led to police visits on several occasions, but this isn't recorded in the diary. But there are several other incidents recorded for which do show Ruxton's own perception of several events. Um, For example, on Friday the 6th of April 1934, Ruxton uh, records, Isabel went to the police station and lodged a complaint against me for attempted assault. I told the police all about her affairs with other men, whereupon Inspector Clark said, nobody is more sorry for you, doctor, than I am. Detective Thompson said, Doctor, I know you're heartbroken, but forgive and forget. Detective Stampton said, Why don't you give a good hiding to that man? She threatened to go away to Edinburgh, but at last changed her mind, and in the presence of Detective Thompson, promised not to have anything to do with that man. Another incident is recorded on the 20th of November. Ruxton records Isabel deliberately and openly went with R.E. to the Palace Cinema, leaving me at home. Come on, Bobby, we're going to the Palace Cinema, she uttered. R.E. refers to Robert Edmondson, a friend of Isabel's, who Ruxton seems to think she was having an affair with. There are, there are lots of, of similar entries throughout the diary, but one particularly interesting entry is on the 24th of November, where he accuses Isabel of trying to kill him. He says, My evening coffee tasted sharp. I inadvertently told Isabel that my coffee was peculiar in taste at the bottom of the cup. Soon after taking it, I felt giddy. She left me alone in the house, and I vomited the whole night. Isabel deliberately put liquid morphine hydrochloride in my coffee, as I found my pupils pinpoint soon after drinking the coffee. Well, Isabel used to help Book with tooth extractions in the surgery, and morphine hydrochloride was used as an analgesic to take away the pain. So she would very easily have been able to get her hands on on a controlled drug such as that. So it is entirely possible that this happened, but she may have just wanted to put him to sleep for a while just so that she could go out and go to another party without being questioned. But also it could just be another part of Ruxton's attempts to make it look like he himself is the victim. Poor Mary. She's quite often the, the forgotten victim. Mary was only 19 when she was killed. By all accounts... She was a lovely, quiet girl. She grew up in Overton, uh, not far from Lancaster. When she disappeared, Ruxton had told Lancaster police and Mary's parents that Mary had left with Isabella. He claimed that, having recently been engaged in a relationship with a young man, that Mary had become pregnant and that his wife had agreed to discreetly take her away from the home to arrange an abortion. Obviously abortions were illegal in Britain and and Ruxton had urged the Rogersons not to contact the police but to wait for their daughter to come back. All of this of course was purely fictional. Ruxton had tried to tarnish Mary's reputation and none of this sat well at all with their parents who knew Mary very very well and they eventually did report her missing. Mel explained that there is also another theme which comes through strongly in the diary and must have been a big part of Isabella and Buck's life. 
Another theme that runs through the diary entries is that of money. It's spending it, borrowing it, winning it and losing it. Ruxton details all of the items that he's bought for the living areas of 2 Dalton Square in this diary, which was furnished, as I said before, incredibly lavishly. This includes marble statues of the Prince Consort and Queen Victoria, a rosewood cabinet from Clifton Hall, a statue of an Indian slave girl holding a torch, oh, Dresden chinaware, and all manner of silver and silk from the Hess Bank Lodge sale. There is a huge loss recorded uh, financial loss on the the derby it's recorded quite in depth and at that point Ruxton appears to have been really concerned about his extravagant purchases a few weeks before at the house sales so he turns to his friends for help he records that he asks a Mrs Webster for a loan of £100 the day after the derby she must have said no and at the back of the diary he lists her as not true blue whatever that means on the 8th of June, a friend lends him £33 and he lists them as, as really good. They appear to have been in quite a lot of debt and so this will have put a lot of strain on the already tense relationship between them. What did the people of Lancaster think about the Ruxton family, both before and after the trial? And how have things changed in how we view the case today? Strangely, there was so much support for Ruxton throughout the trial. Even after his guilty verdict, the petition for mercy received over 10,000 signatures, with many people suggesting that Isabella had what was coming to her. Even today, despite the despicable, brutal murders of two innocent women, there still remains a really curious tenderness for Ruxton, who's still referred to within Lancaster as a physician for the working classes and a kind and gentle man. Although I do have to say there is a local rhyme that goes, red stains on the carpet, red stains on the knife. Oh, Dr. Buck Ruxton, you cut up your wife. The nursemaid she saw you and threatened to tell. So, Dr. Buck Ruxton, you killed her as well. Domestic abuse is still a very, very complex and triggering subject. No one ever should feel unsafe in their home. The diary, without any context or background knowledge, would present us with a young doctor in love with his wife, who is loved by the community, and who himself appears to be the victim of bullying and coercion within the home. But I think developments in psychological analysis have developed so significantly, we'd be able to pick apart the diary entries. Certainly, if you went to the police, uh, they would never say to give someone a good hiding. And now, we, with the, the presence of DNA, CCTV, crime scene investigation, they would undoubtedly and conclusively have, have proven his guilt. Before she left us, Mel told us why she found the diary so affecting both as curator of a museum collection and as someone who has read it. There are some objects within the museum collections, such as this little diary, that, that sit brooding in their boxes. They're very heavy with dark stories and so intertwined with the culture and even folklore of local community that in the curatorial perspective we sort of shuttle backwards and forwards about whether to exhibit these, these types of objects or not because they are so triggering. It's really difficult for us to ascertain from the diary whether Ruxton was writing purely for himself, assuming that no one else would read his diary. However, having studied it quite in depth, I actually believe that this diary was very hastily written after the murders, building a picture of a much maligned man, a victim of potential poisoning, a loving partner emotionally abused, the support of the police 
a kind and generous provider who's who stays at home with the children while his wife goes out partying. But there are so many questions on there. Why is his birth date different? Why did he not report the alleged poisoning to the police? So the diary throws up so many questions, the answers to which we will never know. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. Please do listen to some of our other episodes where we look at everything from suffragettes to spectroscopy.